We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Podcast. I am your host, Stefan Leco, joined by Jordan and Matt. Fellas, I was super excited getting ready for this week because I was looking at the games and I thought, yes, it's finally here. Matt versus Jordan. We've got Penn State versus Michigan. And then I realized, wait, Matt's not a Michigan fan. He just talks about Michigan all the time. <laughs> and so the my, my sales were deflated a little bit. But I legit thought for a moment that this was our rivalry week. <laughs> okay, now we're yeah. fighting. <laughs> it was a it was a aha moment. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh yeah, it's it. the second big week in a row for the uh, the hesitant Homer that I am. Um, and yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like this is sort of a me versus Matt in a weird, like, like, uh, mental gymnastics type way, like a seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. So, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll work with it. We'll work with it. Right. I'm always okay to root against Penn State. I'm still rooting for them to win this week. I just want them to look bad winning. We can do that for you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting, though, because, like, you're obviously an Ohio State fan, Matt, but you do really? talk about Michigan an awful lot. And it's just like, like, it almost feels like little brother syndrome, except it's not because you guys have crushed Michigan recently and continuously. Uh, so it, it, it's just one of those things Like the rivalry is so true that even when Michigan is down, you still like to stomp on them. <laughs> well, and in fairness, all offseason, I heard that oh Urban Meyer's out of the picture. That means it's Michigan's time. Oh, it, this is this is the year the streak breaks. This is the year that uh uh Michigan finally jun- or gets over it. No, and we'll get to that in a second. But no, and I had it's I did I it's been a great year for me because they've looked so bad. Yeah, what a segue! What a segue right into the first section here. Guys, I know. They they keep me on this. You guys keep me here for a reason. Yeah. Oh, I know. I Pro- I no longer I no longer need to to uh, pretend to be a host. I can just 
you know, mute my mic. You two could just talk and then you could just let me know when you need me to edit it and publish it. And uh, we're good to go. You didn't actually need to wait an hour and a half for me while I was uh, running around uh, doing things. You could have just started without me. If if you weren't here, I would run rampant and just rant all the time. And Jordan would be sitting there like trying to actually speak appropriately. Yeah. Well, you know, that's still kind of how it is, isn't it? <laughs> no, but uh, you, you brought up Michigan and you were talking about the off season. And it, it just made me think we're halfway through the season now already somehow, which is crazy. And I was just hearkening back to the day when we were yet to watch any college football this season. And we were thinking, what is going to happen this year? And we, we, we did a little segment of overrated and underrated. And I just wanted to kind of look back at it and, and see where we were right, where we were wrong, and where we uh, maybe can, uh, can change our perspective moving forward. So, uh, Matt, since you already brought them up, one of your overrated teams going into the year uh, was Michigan. Uh, you, you were pretty passionate about it, and you thought that, uh, yeah, you thought that this team's rank, I think the preseason rank was seven, and you thought it was way too high. So how do you feel about that take now? I mean, they've only lost one game. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah. um, I think my entire take on this one was that their defense, which was their strength last year, was going to be substantially hindered by the fact that they lost three pro or three pros out of their front seven, and both of their coaches who were in charge of their front of front seven, and that was their strength from last year. And then it was quickly shown to be true in the Army game when they couldn't stop Army at all. And I get that there's a little bit of the service academy trickery that you're just not used to, but then it was proven again when they just go into a fairly one-dimensional team, um, Wisconsin, and just got run off the field, literally. Um I'm a little bit surprised that Josh Gaddis has found no success. Um, I will say I've I've heard a few people uh, mention it, but there's um, a tweet out there basically favorably comparing him to the beginning of the jo- uh, Moorhead transition at Penn State. But I don't know. I just I don't see it with this team. And I think until Shea Patterson's gone, they're going to struggle on offense. And truthfully, I think it's time for Tariq Black and uh, Peoples Jones to be gone because they feel like they're kind of hearkening back to the old ways of Jim Harbaugh. So uh, I don't know. I think I, I think Michigan's going to be down for a little bit. They don't really have the talent to jump up, and their best players are two freshmen um, in Daxton Hill and um, Zach Charbonnet. And unfortunately for Charbonnet, it kind of seems like he's a relic at this point for what they – quote unquote, want to be doing. So yeah, I said, unfortunately for them, fortunately, I want them to be terrible. Do you though? Isn't football better when rivalries are exciting and not just, yeah, but my right, my re- the real rival, the game I'm actually afraid of every year is Penn state now. Yeah. Um, that's, that is very fair. Uh, and, and Wisconsin too. I mean, they're, they're no slouches. Um, Jordan, let's, let's head over to your overrated team for the year. It was Texas A&M. I think they were preseason ranked number 11. Uh, how do you feel about this take of yours? Well, I, I, I feel like it's for, it's pretty much gone the way that I thought it would up to this point for Texas A&M. I mean, they, they won the three games that I assumed that they would win against Texas state, Lamar and Arkansas, albeit, they only won. They beat Arkansas by four points, which came nowhere near the spread. Um, and they lost to and they lost to Clemson, Auburn, and Alabama. And that's kind of the way that I anticipated going 
this far. And it was, like I said, I, I think the Texas A&M does have talent on their team. Um, but it's just the schedule that they, they were, they were staring at start to start the season. And to tell you the truth, it doesn't really get that much easier. Um, they go on the road against Ole Miss this week, which I believe they're favored by six or five and a half points. I, I don't think that's an automatic win. I think Ole Miss is better than, you know, maybe we thought they would be going into the season. Um, they have South Carolina who, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk, maybe talk about what happened with them last weekend. And then they have Georgia and LSU to close out the schedule. So, I mean, it's been tough up to this point and it really doesn't get much easier now that we're into conference play. So I, you know, I kind of, I, I feel basically the same way now that I did then. And it's kind of gone the way I thought it would. And it wouldn't really surprise me if, you know, they beat UTSA, which they should do easily. Uh, they might split Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and then they probably lose to Georgia and LSU and South Carolina. Who knows? So, I mean, it's, you know, not to uh, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I up to this point, I nailed this one pretty close to what we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. No, horns should be tooted, my friend. Horns should be tooted. <laughs> I got to um, do it where I can, you know? Absolutely. And and we all, I think, I mean, one of mine was absolutely terrible uh, for my picks for overrated. But the other one was uh, Nebraska, which I feel like I, w- I was right on. They, they were uh, preseason ranked 20th, which wasn't super high. But I mean, their only wins so far this year are against South Alabama, Northern Illinois, and Illinois and North Northwestern. And, and all of those teams are, are pretty bad. They got crushed by Ohio State. Uh, they lost to Colorado somehow and then just got beat by Minnesota pretty handily. So uh, definitely a disappointment for Nebraska as well. I think the defense isn't coming along. And Martinez just is a turnover machine. And that's going to be a problem when – I mean, it's always a problem, but especially if uh, if your defense isn't, isn't uh, you know, a shutdown defense. So, yeah, or, or just good in general, right? Uh, my other overrated was Oklahoma. Uh, I didn't think the defense was fixed. I was not a Jalen Hurts believer at all going into the year. I just, you know, I liked the story of last year when he came into the game and uh, kind of had that that uh, that miracle comeback and, and kind of was able to redeem himself from uh, the national championship the year before. Uh, but I didn't believe in him for a season long. Um, yeah, leading an offense that we expected and and, and I thought would need to be elite uh, in order to offset the problems on defense but man i've been wrong on oklahoma they look really really good uh so so yeah that was definitely a a bad take on my end um let's go to your underrated jordan uh you had a couple uh you had a a a team that you were you're pretty sure wasn't getting enough love how do you feel about iowa state right now yeah it's tough i mean they're sitting at four and two but their two losses were by a combined three points uh, against right. Iowa and Muffed punch. <laughs> yeah, against Iowa and Baylor, who you know Baylor's still undefeated. Iowa was uh, I'm not sure what they're ranked right now, but um, yeah, so still t- still a top 23. 25 team, regardless of what you might think of them. Um, so I mean, it's kind of a shame because if you know three points in two games can it could easily swing the other way, and we could be we could be looking at a six and zero Iowa State. So I mean, it's kind of making excuses because it does take talent and and you have to win those type of close games um they're not just going to be given to you and you know the truly great teams do find ways to win those real tight games so i i don't think iowa state is necessarily up to that level but um i think we'll find out a lot more about them um they have texas tech this week 
Uh, Tech's coming off a pretty brutal stretch of three games, and I think Iowa State uh, probably wins that one on the road. Um, then they get Oklahoma State, then Oklahoma and Texas back-to-back weeks. That's brutal. But then they close out with Kansas and Kansas State, which are both um, more than winnable games. So, you know, as a team, I think a mm-hmm. uh, couple bounces go another way, and this could be a completely different conversation. And I think that Brock Purdy is as good as advertised, and I think that he's making a push to uh, be in that conversation, that that upper echelon conversation for uh, the 2021 class of quarterbacks. All right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Matt, your underrated team was Northwestern. How do you feel? How do you feel that one's going, buddy? Um, so I made a mistake in thinking <laughs> Hunter Johnson would be good and that Isaiah Bowser would improve. Um, this team's not good. I don't know exactly what's wrong with them. Uh, I believe in Pat Fitzgerald as a coach. Um, something's off about Hunter Johnson, and I'm I, I'm wondering now if like if a lot of these high school ranking sites would kind of just admit he was a miss by them. But I thought five-star talent getting brought into there, he would be the best thing that about that offense. And I think he's still sub 50% completion percentage and Bowser who looked so dynamic against Ohio state has not really been the same type of player. The offense is so bad. And when your offense is that bad, there's only so much your defense could do. I thought they'd actually still be like a fringe top 25 team and that the biggest issue was that they were ranked fourth out of the Big Ten West. I'm just going to put this out there. If they finish fourth in the Big Ten West, I'm now considering this pick a success. But it's been... <laughs> yeah. it, they they look awful and they're going to continue to be awful and they're going to lose by a lot this week. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, my underrated team was Washington and I think the jury's still out, but I know... So far, I've been disappointed in them. Uh, I, I expected I expected better. I was hoping um, that this Washington-Oregon game would be against two undefeated teams. Um, but if I would have had to guess which team wouldn't be, I would have said Oregon. Uh, I, I thought they'd lose to Auburn, and I thought they'd win out from there to this point. But I thought Washington would be able to take care of business um, in the Pac-12 and in their other games too, and, and it just hasn't worked out for them. So uh, we are obviously going to talk about Washington, Oregon uh, this 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 upcoming um, the game this upcoming weekend. We're going to talk about that on the show, of course. Uh, and I think you know if if Washington can, can win that game and, and get on a roll, and you know some some favorable some favorable matchups uh, down the way, and maybe a couple good results, maybe they can in fact still win that Pac-12 championship. But it's a long shot at this point, and. Uh, yeah, definitely don't feel great about that call anymore. Um, I think maybe that that preseason rank of 14 might be just accurate. Uh, that, they may not be any better than that. But uh, yeah, I think I think we nailed our uh, our underrated. Our, excuse me, I think we nailed our overrated teams. Underrated. Um, I think yeah, Jordan's was was definitely real close, and <laughs> ours were not not not, a, not as great. Yeah. Um, but we have a good show for for all you lovely listeners today. We're going to get into some Debbie talk. We're going to go over some risers and fallers. Again, being at the halfway point, just kind of seeing, uh, yeah, just taking stock on some of the big names that that have either climbed the boards or are plummeting, and uh, and maybe what we should do about that if there's a buying opportunity or a selling opportunity. Then we will go into our lock review, talk to you about our not so great week last week, uh, get into the games for next week, and then of course we'll finish out the show with our locks of the week. It'll be uh, you know. We're gonna get better. Or this this is a good week. How do you guys feel? Do you guys feel good about your locks? You guys have some some pretty uh some pretty some pretty good feelings about this one, or is this uh 
a slate of games that makes you nervous. How do you how do you feel, Matt? Uh, I actually like my picks. I feel pretty solid about them. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, I'm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't you know. I wouldn't say that, is the, that is the voice of confidence. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say solid. I wouldn't say solid, but I feel like they're well reasoned. I'll put it. I'll put yeah. it that way. I feel like I have I have reason and logic to the picks. Um, but the word lock is more and more becoming. Uh, it's it's grinding my gears mm-hmm. a little bit because. Uh, there is no such thing. Hunch, <laughs> Hunch of the week. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Great. Well, uh, let, let's get into Debbie. Uh, let, let's talk about some of these players. I, I asked you both, um, and I gave you tons of warning. I, I think I gave you like two hours before the show. I was like, hey, why don't we do this? Um, but I wanted you guys to give me a riser and faller at both the wide receiver and running back position, since that's where most of the, uh, the draft capital and, and energy is spent um, in Debbie. Uh, and then just a bonus, uh, which could be either up or down, and it could be a player at any position. So, Jordan, why don't you give me? Um, why don't we start with wide receivers uh, for the risers? Uh, so we'll do, we'll just bounce back between you, you and Matt. So, Jordan, give us your riser at the wide receiver position. Um, so I went with Rashad Bateman, wide receiver from Minnesota. Um, he's uh, obviously he had a really good uh, freshman season sharing the field with Tyler Johnson who everyone in the Debbie community is is pretty much well aware of at this point um, and uh, up till now this season he's he leads the team in receiving yards he's second in receptions and tied for second in receiving touchdowns um, and in a lot of ways I think you can say he's outplayed Tyler Johnson he's been more explosive more efficient um, and he's just kind of continuing what he what he did last year. So, I mean, I think as a true sophomore, uh, we still have another year to wait before he's eligible. But with Tyler Johnson likely moving on or out of eligibility, I should say, after this season, um, Bateman should step into an even larger role next year. And if we see, you know, the same kind of success on offense uh, that Minnesota's had up to this point, I think that could be a fruitful situation. So he's a guy that, you know, we were aware of because of what he did last year. But I've, there's been almost no drop off whatsoever, and he's actually improved, in my opinion. So he's a guy that's been uh, moving up my board personally. Yeah, he's he's averaging over 22 yards per reception. He's got four touchdowns on the year. Yeah, pretty solid. Uh, real quick uh, question, uh, not about him, but about uh, Tyler Johnson. Is he? I know he's not on your list. So is he a faller for you, or is he just kind of a staying the same? Does does the fact that uh, Bateman's been out? Uh, producing him from a statistical category does that does that frighten you at all or is it just um, a situation where you've got two really good options in Minnesota that's a good question um, I I think that Johnson may have fallen a spot or two in my overall rankings uh, from the start of the season but that's that isn't necessarily anything to do with him more so with other people moving around in in that same area Um but no, I, I don't think Bateman excelling necessarily is a downgrade for Johnson. Um, we know that he has elite uh, age-adjusted production, and you know we're all hoping that he'll get the draft capital on the other side this spring. So I mean, I think he's perfectly fine as a prospect, and I don't really I don't really see Bateman um, his uh, you know his production and his improvement necessarily being a detriment at all. Yeah. And as the resident Tyler Johnson truther, I'll say he still has a 0.35 dominator for the year and he's still um, over 33% market share yards for any other player. We'd be looking at that as an amazing season. Um, But because he had back to back 0.5 dominator seasons and two seasons over 
a 0.4 market share. Um, it seems like he's regressing, but the truth is, is that Bateman's also just good and he's still, they're just splitting this giant share and they're the only ones getting thrown at. Sure. And is uh, Tanner Morgan with both of these receivers balling out? Is Tanner Morgan a quarterback that people should be interested in? No. Or, or, or no? <laughs> he's only a sophomore. I mean, his so. numbers, his numbers no. up to this point are very strong this season. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got a 14 to 3 touchdown interception ratio. He's thrown for almost 1,500 yards, which isn't a ton. Uh, yeah. But 195 rating, not, 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 not terrible. Really, really efficient. Uh, 12, uh, 12.3 adjusted yards per attempt um, is excellent. Uh, it's small sample, 124 attempts. So, I mean, we need we probably need a bigger sample size to make a, a real fair judgment. But if we're basing it only on this season and what we've seen up to this point, he's been really good. Yeah, cool. So it might be more that he, he's good enough to, to allow these elite receivers to produce. Uh, so, yeah, cool. Uh, Matt, how about you give us your, your wide receiver riser? So I wrote about this guy in the preseason because he had a um, – Big opportunity open up, and that was Elijah Moore with Ole Miss. The team is not good. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Not going to sit here and say anything um, more about it. But he has not only has he jumped into the role that um, AJ Brown opened up. Um, he is on his way to becoming a very strong uh, Devi option. Uh, he's got a 38.5 percent market share so far this year in yards and a 0.41 dominator on his way to a breakout year only a true sophomore um he the only thing that concerns me he's not very big but he was basically going uh very late i think he was back half of most drafts in debbie drafts that i did over the summer and he is looks like a strong candidate now to be one of those good slot receivers that gets drafted and has value in the nfl yeah great question for you um uh question for you on more not necessarily specific to Elijah Moore, but more in general, the fact that the two wide receivers that were drafted from old Miz last year, um, my boy DK and AJ, not my boy, but DK certainly is uh, the fact that they're producing well uh, and having good seasons as rookies in the NFL uh, coming from that same school. Does that play into your evaluation of, of a jump that can be made or is that kind of irrelevant? It, so basically I'm asking you, is this whole notion of, you know, wide receiver you or running back you, is that a real thing or is that just narrative street? No, uh, it's narrative street. Uh, the only thing that I would take away from this or from them being successful um, is essentially that it's justification for why he only got a 10% share last year because okay, he yeah. was going up against AJ Brown. He was going up against DeMarcus Lodge, who's not a, successful but he was another guy that was a draftable player um so i just think i think that's my my whole takeaway from that is that it's easy to say that players should be breaking out as a true freshman but when they're looking at got two guys who are drafted on um the first two days of the nfl draft it makes a little bit of sense that this five foot nine wide receiver isn't getting the target volume that you would hope and now with those guys out the door he gets to step into the spotlight. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's useful because, yeah, just because it's narrative street doesn't mean we can't get any useful information out of it. All right, Jordan, who's your faller? 
Yeah, so for a wide receiver, I uh, I took Justin Shorter, wide receiver from Penn State, and this is you just you just you're just such a it's such a tumultuous relationship you have with your alma mater. This, isn't it? this is I I I I give you that, but this this is justified. I feel like because um, Shorter came in uh, two classes ago, I believe. And he was a uh, five star, if not a if not five star, a very high four star recruit. Um, he was the number one wide receiver. Yeah, there we go. Years ago. And 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 that's really all you need to know. And especially uh, in in a year like this, where KJ Hamler is is clearly their number one wide receiver, but he is um, he's he he plays his his role very well. But what they really could use is a long, bigger-bodied, outside X-type receiver to complement K.J. Hamler. And they have not found that. Um, and Shorter appears, you know, by all accounts, looks perfectly built to play that role, and he just has not done it. Um, yeah, 6'4", 235, yeah, you'd think. Talent, size, athleticism, pedigree, everything. And it just has not materialized. He's... Um, he has eight catches, I think around a hundred yards so far this season. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I had high hopes when he was coming in. I thought he could be that next, like Allen Robinson type for Penn state, that type of alpha to take over the passing game. And it just hasn't materialized. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to write off entirely someone with that combination of those things we just talked about, but, uh, it's, it's been an absolute disappointment for me. Uh, I'm sure for a lot of people. So just kind of until something changes, I'm just chalking this one up as a loss. Um, I, yeah. I whiffed on that one. I it's 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 hard to have high hopes for a guy named Shorter. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, can, I'll, I'll delete that part of the of the podcast. Um, no, do you think uh, is this a system problem or is this a, a personnel problem? Is this a him problem or a or a problem with the you know not getting because I, I see his stats here i don't see his targets i don't know if he's you know we don't have a matt Harmon doing reception perception on these guys you know like is is this a, a sean clifford problem or is this a shorter problem that's a good question um i i think that it, like we've talked briefly about sean clifford and some of the concerns i still have and even after i mean they they may even be more magnified after that iowa game um so, I mean, I don't think it's a perfect situation. If, if Shorter was, for some reason, thrown into Alabama or LSU's offense, that situation, he would probably thrive. Um, right. But for whatever reason, and it, it could be things that we don't even have access to. It could be um, internal, personal reasons. All those things play a factor, a, a play a role. And we don't have access to that information. So I can't say it's one thing or another. It's likely a combination of a lot of things, some known, probably some unknown. Um, So, I mean, it's kind of tough to be able to nail it down specifically. It's just when he was coming in, the promise that he came in with and what I what I view as an open opportunity to fill a role that he's probably built for and he hasn't done it. So, I mean, that's all I can really say. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think, too, he is young. I'll be. I think he'll he'll be interesting to uh, to look at and see what happens uh, moving forward because, yeah, I think his eligibility is still like first year. So, um, so yeah, there's there, there's some time to see what what changes. Um, but yeah, I was surprised to see see your faller here, Matt. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this one? 
So in full disclosure, my original follower I had written in there was also Justin Shorter, but I wanted to go with another one. So we did uh, give you a little extra information. Uh, my follower is Colin Johnson. And the biggest reason for that is because I think he's the wide receiver three on yeah. his own team now. Um, uh, Duvernay, I'm going to pronounce that wrong and not feel that bad about it. Um, Duvernay seems to ju- have taken the leap as being the one. And then it, it sort of seems like in the absence of Colin Johnson, uh, Ellinger has found other wide receivers and potentially the more explosive one of those is Brennan Eagles, um, who was a five-star receiver, um, in last year's class as well. Um, I'm also a little bit concerned that, uh, he's been so banged up this year. Uh, it's just, there's quite a few things that make a wide receiver prospect stand out as a positive and, I'm not really seeing any of those things from Colin Johnson. I'm going to quickly um, look something up before I make a uh, dumb statement, but he hasn't exactly wowed me with his market share numbers um, the past few years. He's only at 11% right now. Seriously, I probably should have prepped this before I started doing this, but (laughs) my bad. Um, Essentially, he is a, he's just not a, he hasn't been this receiver that actually will stand out to me as um, anything special. He, is he good? Sure. Is he going to make an impact for um, his college team? Yeah. But I think that he's hurting his draft stock this season. And he was one of the guys that was banking on being a highly drafted player. His, his best season last year, he was a 27% market share guy. And when you're looking at the guy who he lost volume to last year was Lil Jordan Humphrey. How's Lil Jordan Humphrey doing in the NFL right now? Where did he get drafted? I think I'm he has one answer. target. <laughs> yeah, he he's not he's not exactly making an impact, and he went undrafted for that matter. So when you lose out to volume to a guy that was an undrafted free agent, you're now losing out volume to a player that pretty much hadn't made an impact at all until this season, um, and you're you're going to probably have your worst season when you're heading into the draft. It's hard to say that your draft stock isn't falling because he probably was a guy that would have been considered in the top three rounds of Debbie drafts last year. And now I honestly probably wouldn't take him in a four round Debbie draft. And in next year's rookie drafts, unless he has significant draft capital, I'm going to have a hard time taking him. Yeah. And it's hard. Like you said, it's hard to imagine that he will. Uh, he, he, I think he went six for 82 against Oklahoma this weekend and that's half his production of the year. So, I mean, if he can keep, I mean, even that wouldn't be elite, but if he can, you know, build off of that and get a nice season going, maybe he can salvage it. But yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, my, my reason for, for being surprised by it was just Colin Johnson was a guy I was excited about last year. Uh, I thought him and, and Humphrey were, were a great, wide receiver right wide receiver tandem and it looks like they both might just uh, like neither one of them might make it in the nfl uh let's move to the uh risers at running back uh let's uh you know speed this up a little bit because we do have a lot to get to um as much as i would love to just sit and chat about this stuff um jordan your your riser at running back yeah so i went with chew Hubbard, and he was obviously already pretty highly ranked going into the season we all knew about him um, but his production to this point, because I screamed about, yeah, him. I mean, and Matt really leading the charge on this one. So I, I, you know, I feel bad about stealing this, but not that bad. Uh, he, he already has over a thousand yards rushing 13 touchdowns. Um, uh, he's averaging 6.8 yards per carry and really just the, the market share of the rushing workload for the, for Oklahoma state is truly astounding. I mean, he, uh, the second leading rusher on that team is Spencer Sanders, who's the quarterback. If you remove that yardage, 
the next leading rusher is LD Brown with 78 yards. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. Like the chunk that he's the, the role that he's playing is absolute, absolute workhorse. The only thing I will say is he only has five receptions so far, which is a little bit disappointing. Um, but that could be a function of the offense more so than uh, anything that he can control. Uh, obviously, still very high on him. I think he's done nothing but but improve his uh, his draft stock in particular because he's you know the leading rusher in college football. The spotlight is starting to be shown on him. So I mean, I think he's just doing all the right things. And yeah, it's it's pretty hard to ignore him at this point, even though we already probably felt he was a borderline. Uh, a low first round, high second round type startup Debbie pick um, coming into the season. But I think he's he's done well to improve. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to just quickly do this with you because I, I feel obligated to. Um, Cam Akers or Chuba Hubbard? Ooh. I know that's your favorite. Um, uh, probably go Hubbard, but it's close because I think that um, – the production just doesn't really tell the whole story with Acres. There's just so much context surrounding why he he was poor for so long, and I think that if he's healthy next spring, um, I think he's going to be a star at the combine. So, um, draft position, he could be drafted way higher than we maybe think right now. But I, I'll I'll give Hubbard the slight slight lean there. I'm shocked by that answer, but are you really? A little bit because I'm uh, slowing us down. I'll jump into mine. Um, So I'm taking the next Chuba Hubbard, which is Max Borgie. Um, I don't think he's going to be the workhorse um, that Hubbard is now in the same way. I think he's going to be a little bit more all around, but he basically has a similar uh, rushing workload to what Damian Harris had last year. And he's turning into one of the better receiving uh, running back prospects in the country. Uh, he has 27 receptions for the year in just six games. So four and a half receptions per game um, for averaging 10 yards per uh, reception uh, as a runner. It's not like he's in a, or he's been bad. He's 58 rushes for 407 yards. So that's seven yards per carry um, and five touchdowns. So seven touchdowns on the year. Um, and hasn't been utilized in the return game. I, I actually would like to see him do that. Cause I think he'd be pretty effective, but he's such a big part of their offense. I'm fairly confident. They just don't want to get him hurt, but Max Borgie is my guy for next year. He's one of the guys I'm targeting um, heavily. And I, I own several shares of in Debbie leagues. And for as much as um, I am concerned slightly about the rushing workload, the next uh, closest runner or the next closest in run rush attempts is also his quarterback with 19. So they just don't run the ball, but I'm fine with that. He He's going to be a very dynamic player. He could be turned into a Naheem Hines type, or he could very well just be Giovanni Bernard and be amazing. All right, there you go. And and you've talked and you've talked about him and written about him before. So uh, you can definitely find more on, on Max if you're interested. Jordan, who is, who is your faller at the running back position? Yeah, this one's pretty simple. It's Spencer Brown running back from UAB. He was a guy who had really, really strong age-adjusted rushing production as a true freshman, um, and he was pretty good last season as well as as a runner. We always had concerns about him as a pass catcher. He's done little to alleviate those concerns this year, but what's more alarming is just his he's fallen off a cliff as far as, as running is concerned. 
Um, he has 79 carries. He's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Um, he's still the leading rusher on the team, but slightly. Uh, he's basically been outplayed by Lucius Stanley, his his uh, battery mate in the backfield, who's averaging close to six yards per carry on 38 carries. So it, this one is another one where I'm I'm kind of just writing it off. Um, I, I you know, like I said, it was my the reason I liked him was because he he had such great production at a young age. But without that pass catching, um, it already seemed like it would be a bit of an uphill climb. Um, also out of the power five uh, playing at UAB. So it's it's not looking good for uh, Spencer Brown finding his way to being a relevant fantasy option in the NFL at this point. Oh, yeah, that was going to be my question. I mean, is he even worth is he even worth drafting? Like how how many rounds would a Debbie league need to be uh, for you to even have interest in him? You know, Um yeah, I mean that's that's tough. I mean, at this point, like if you were doing uh, like a four round, um, I I don't think he's draftable at this point, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and it kind of hurts hurts my heart because I really did have high hopes because he ran so well at such a young age. But you know, that's not the only factor. Right. How about you, Matt? Who, who's your who's your follower at the position? This one actually, I, I I'm reading it. I see it in front of me, and it hurts me because in uh, in the startup Debbie league I did with uh, Jordan this, this, uh, this preseason, he's my boy. He's my running back. And uh, it hurts my heart to see his name here. So I picked Eno Benjamin and it's, I have to stop in with it and say, I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's bad. I just think that his stock has taken a hit last season. He was a 1600 yard rusher um, and had 263 receiving yards and was pretty efficient. He was, he didn't quite hit my threshold of six yards per carry, but I kind of didn't care. He had 300 attempts and 16 touchdowns. He looked like he was on the verge of being a star, which is why if you did Debbie league, uh, Debbie drafts this off season, he was a first round pick in basically every single league. He was probably one of the top five running backs taken. And this season, his rushing yardage has taken a pretty substantial hit. He's got 125 carries through six games. Great. I love seeing that he's still being used as workhorse. Has seven touchdowns. Great. 19 receptions. Great. He's averaging 4.2 yards per carry. On a team that's actually got a fairly respectable QB, so they have to respect the pass somewhat. I don't know why his efficiency has fallen off a cliff, and because of that, um, and particularly with the rise of guys that were behind him, like J.K. Dobbins, like Chuba Hubbard, um, I'm just going to quickly look even more like Trey Sermon, um, Keontae Ingram. I think all of these guys have a case to be moved ahead of, you know, Benjamin, because I don't think Benjamin's going to have this great draft capital unless he just crushes the combine. And I think he, I think he'll do well, but I don't think he's going to be this amazing athletes that um, will salvage some of the draft capitals of a guy like Cam Akers or of AJ Dillon. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's fair. I think, yeah, the, the, the tide has risen and he has remained where he was before it did. <laughs> and, and that, and that's not ideal. You end up uh, underwater when that happens. Uh, who's your, who's your bonus pick, Jordan? <laughs> so again, picking on Penn state as I do, uh, Ricky Slade. And this is a tough one because entering the season indications were pretty clear that, that Penn state was planning on using basically a four man rotation at running back. And 
a lot of people assumed that it would be Slade getting the nod initially. And it's kind of been a hot hand approach where Journey Brown has played um, my boy a strong role. Yeah, he has a 100-yard game to his name this season. And obviously, um, in the most recent example, we have Noah Kane, who seems to be taking over the backfield at this point. I still think that they're going to rotate uh, because they do have a lot of talent. And I think that it it is beneficial in certain situations. Um, Devin Ford, another true freshman who can chip in at times. Um, so, I mean, it's a crowded backfield. It was, it was a bit of an uphill climb, I think, for Slade to begin with. But I, you know, he's been the least efficient runner of the four to this point. That could be situational and not entirely his fault. But with Noah Kane ascending now as a true freshman with so much, so many years left of eligibility, uh, unless something drastically changes, I think it's Kane's backfield to lose. And I think Slade becomes the second or third option in what will still probably be a rotation moving forward. But Kane has just played so well and it's just kind of push Slade to the side, which, and it doesn't help that he's been so inefficient. So uh, he has to be bumped down in my opinion. Yeah. And Matt, your bonus. So my bonus is uh, Jordan's underrated player going into this year, which is Lynn Bowden. Um, Not only did he have a really dominant last season, but this uh, this season, he's kind of proving that he can do anything. He can be incredibly dynamic in the offense. Um, I don't think I sent it to you guys, but the funniest thing I saw from last week was in the CBS um, up CBS Sports app like highlight score thing from the game. They picked players of the game, and the player of the game was Lynn Bowden. His stat line read zero receptions for zero yards and zero touchdowns because he played quarterback. Um, and oh they don't know how to adjust when a wide receiver is lined up at quarterback. But he basically led them to a win by being such a dynamic athlete. So I, he's a guy that has proven that he can be a capable wide receiver and he's proving the athleticism. I think at worst he is going to go into the NFL and somebody's going to put him on their team as a kick returner. Um, I think best case scenario, he turns into Randall Cobb um, and could be incredibly valuable to an offense early years. Randall yeah. Cobb. I mean, right, right. And and he uh, is with uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. Yes. Good Similar stuff guys. Think. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, that's really good stuff. I think we, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm already looking forward to the preseason where we can just like spend so much time on Debbie and not have to talk about actual football games. <laughs> uh, I enjoy that too, of course, but, but it's really fun just hearing you guys um, go into some of these uh, college players and, and yeah, take some time to evaluate uh, not only what they're doing at the college level, but how that can translate to the NFL. Uh, before we jump into our review of last week and, and, and move it forward, I want to take just a quick minute to tell you about ShipStation. If you're selling online, you know that getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming. It's expensive. There's so many options to choose from. It's hard to know if you're making the right decision. And that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly. It saves money on shipping costs, and it can keep your customers happy. No matter what you're selling, if it's Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. It works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. It's no wonder that SIP, whoa, ShipStation saying that many times in a row can be a bit of a tongue twister. No wonder ShipStation is a number one choice of all online sellers. 
They'll ship more in less time uh, with the best rates available. So right now, uh, listeners of this podcast can try try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. That's right. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the home page and type in blue. That's B-L-U-E, blue as in the color. So that's ShipStation.com. Enter the code blue and you can make ship happen. Boys, we did not make ship happen last week. We, we I mean, we did mail it in. <laughs> you could say that. We, we, we did mail it in. It was, uh, we, we each had a, a, a losing record. We each went... Uh, one in one, one win, two losses. I, I got robbed. if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have whipped out, and I would have stuck with my OU Texas under, I would have been a nice two and two. But everyone I was listening to said over, over, over. You guys weren't feeling the under, so I whipped out. Uh, but I was, you know, you know, it's a moral victory for me, and also a moral failure for me that I didn't go for it. Uh, it just, it's just rough. But uh, yeah, some, some some of the ones that we we had, Matt. Why don't you take us through yours uh, quickly here and. Uh, yeah, you can see what we can learn moving forward. So I went back to my uh, roots with uh, games that aren't on TV with Georgia State and Coastal Carolina uh, over 64 and a half. That game was not as high scoring as I was hoping. Um, I d- went with Missouri and Ole Miss under 56 and a half. That one was higher scoring than I could have ever hoped for. Um, my one win came from uh, Wisconsin minus 10 and a half at Michigan State, which was real fun because the day after we recorded, I heard uh, all of my other, favorite other podcasters tell me, no, 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 Michigan State's the play, Michigan State's the play. Um, so I got terrified on that one, um, <laughs> but uh, was happy to say that uh, that was not even kind of a sweat. That was the easiest win I've had all season. Yeah. Do you find that you get, when you are when you stick in the Big Ten, that you say, seem to kind of have a better feel for it because you're watching so many of those games? Or is that not necessarily true? Yes and no. I, I mean, I, I do. I, I think I have, if I were going to say the teams I have the best feel for, I, there's probably like seven teams that I feel like I really um, know how games are going to go. And yeah, I think Michigan State is one of them. Yeah. Uh, so bet against Michigan State every week <laughs> is my should be my new play. Yeah, there you go. How about you, Jordan? How was your week? Walk us through it. Not great. My lone win was Air Force minus three against Fresno State. That was a pretty easy cover. Um, Memphis Temple, I went under 50 and a half. I, I missed on that one by a touchdown. They combined for 58 points. So that was a bad call on my part. But I will say the Texas Tech Baylor under 58. I'm shafted. a little bit miffed about that <laughs> you one, got guys. Shafted. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like that, that ticket, you know, in reality doesn't cash. But you know what? That's a load of horse shit because that game was twenty twenty right. at the end of regulation. I was on the right side of that. I don't. I don't care what the final score was, um, but you know, you, you you take those because overtime is overtime, and who knows how long it'll go. And you know, sometimes teams just score a hundred <laughs> points in overtime. It's just the way it right. goes. College football. <laughs> yeah, no, those overtime ones. I mean, if it goes into overtime, you better pray you had the over. <laughs> you know, like that's just how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, I I also went one and two. Um, I got my, my Colorado, Oregon under was spot on. I felt very smart. Uh, but man, I thought Colorado would show up and I thought plus 21 was a big enough number that they could, uh, keep it within that. And they did not, they just got rolled. It was embarrassing. Um, it was, it was fun around here. Cause I got to, uh, wear my, my, my ducks hat 
and uh, walking walking around Boulder, you know, that's always fun, uh, except that no one actually cares about college football right now. Uh, and then my other one was... Uh, They're too high. Right, uh, Virginia Virginia plus one against <laughs> Miami. Uh, that, that did not work out. Miami uh, was was comfortable, comfortably uh, in the lead for that one. For, for most of it. So um, not, not, a, not, not the best of weeks, but we, we will continue to improve. And I, I feel, I feel like it all starts this week. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, let's talk real quick about some of these games. I watched pretty much every snap of the, of the OU Texas game. And I was really impressed again by Oklahoma's defense. I thought they looked really, really good. Um, they were able to keep Texas to, to 27 points. That was a, a good, a good showing. And at halftime, I mean, I don't remember what the score was at halftime, but it was pretty low scoring. And I already felt like I had, uh, I felt like a real loser for not actually saying I was doing the under on that one. Uh, but you can kind of, it was 10 to three. Yeah. You could kind of see what, what, what was happening. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun game though. Did you guys get a chance to watch much of it? No, I was at a wedding last week. Um, oh, and, that's right. Uh, I did not. Did all the right people say yes or I do? They did. And it was a super weird wedding. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh. goods if you're listening to this i still love you yeah i, I want to ask why but we're already at the 49 minute mark so i guess i don't care right now uh, what about some of these other games uh what, what were some of the some of the games from last week that really stood out to, to you matt um lsu florida went pretty much as i expected i did think that uh lsu would eventually um just overwhelm florida with offense and i I mean, I, I'll have to say Florida's better than I gave them credit for. I think that this isn't a bad loss for them, but honestly, I I think LSU is going to give everyone fits. If I were to tell you right now as an Ohio State fan, the one team I'm really, really scared of, LSU is the one team I'm scared of. I'm not scared of Alabama. I'm not scared of Clemson. I'm not scared of um, Wisconsin or really anyone. LSU is the one team that scares me. Is it because they have a former Buckeye at quarterback? Who? <laughs> no, uh, no. I, I think the reason they they scare me is because they've got uh, two really good um, and one. Um, I'm still waiting to figure out on uh, wide receivers, and their offense is now playing like it's 2019 all of a sudden. And they, I, I think Joe Burrow is going to be a first round pick. So yeah, I I just think that in that game, Ohio State will have to score 50. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, what did you think of these games? Just, yeah, just real quickly on the Penn state, Iowa yeah. game. Uh, we all know that how, how bad that, how bad that non touchdown call was. Mm-hmm. I still am very confused. I mean, I, I think that if you sit down any college football fan, regardless of their affiliation or affinity for a team, and you showed them that 99 out of a hundred would say that was absolutely the wrong call. 100%. And I think if that call is upheld, I don't think that this game is a five point margin. Um, Penn State got the win on the road in a tough place to play, which is all that really matters, despite their offense looking pretty bad, especially in the first half. Um, Noah Kane just kind of put the game on his back and salted it away. But I mean, it's kind of embarrassing when you take like three minutes for a review and you get it that wrong. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I unfortunately didn't get to watch much of that one or much of the LSU Florida game. Uh, but I did, I did watch some of uh, Notre Dame USC and I thought USC uh, 
played well enough uh, to not embarrass themselves, obviously not getting the win. Uh, but I think at least Slovis could be interesting moving forward. We'll have to see what all takes place there. Uh, but let's let's move forward. Let's let's look ahead. Enough of this rear view stuff. Let's let's move into the future. Let's start with a game that none of us really care about all that much. Let's start with Oregon minus two and a half at Washington. Uh, looks like the line has changed. I thought it was at minus three before, but I guess uh, I guess it's shifting. I think it's at both. Uh, let me see. I'm looking. Well. Regardless, you're 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 sticking with Washington, and I believe you you are tempted to go money line here. Is is this correct? If it's, if you were betting on this game, yeah. would you be willing? Um, if I when I I actually might go put some money down on this one. It it won't be a huge wager, but I think um, Washington is the best offense that Oregon has played this season. Um, using at least going by yards per play. Um, Oregon, while their defense has been amazing, they have played mostly pretty terrible offenses during this run. Um, Nevada ranked 105th, Auburn ranked 48th, um, Stanford ranked 92nd, Cal ranked 115th, Colorado ranked 58th um, in yards per play. Washington ranked 32nd, so they're not in a, a great one, but I do think that um, at home um, in this spot, I just like Washington to play this game very close and. I think if they do cover it, they're going to win. And I just think this is where Washington plays spoiler and all of the Pac-12 dreams kind of fall to pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I have to crush dreams. It's your lot in life. (laughs) Jordan, what are your thoughts on this one? I think think this is going to be a close game. And I I like Oregon under the three at two and a half. Um, I just think that the... The biggest advantage I think that they have is along the offensive line. I think that they can kind of muscle Washington uh, in the trenches, and I think they'll be able to run the ball. Um, but to be to be completely honest, I don't think that I would actually put any money on this game. Uh, it feels like it's kind of a coin flip, um, but I'll just lean on the team that I think can win uh, along the inside on offense, and I think that they'll be able to run the ball and just hope that we see good Justin Herbert. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll lay the points with Oregon, but it's it's a reluctant lean uh, in this one. Yeah, yep, I'm with you. I think if if Oregon uh, watches the the tape from the Stanford Washington game, they will see the the way to beat this team is exactly as you uh, spelled it out for us, Jordan. It's it's running that ball. Uh, some of those short, quick passes I think can help too uh, along the perimeter. I think you can't rely on Herbert to have a lot of time. Um, and, and even if he does, I think the, the, the defensive backs for, for Washington are really good. So uh, if, if, if Oregon's going to win, it's going to be uh, running the ball. And I think uh, Washington's going to want to run the ball too. So I do think it'll be a slower game. So I do think it will be close. Uh, I got to go with Oregon here. Uh, to be honest, I am also putting my, so this is, <laughs> this is where I'm a, a massive hypocrite. I think Oregon's going to win. And I'm going to put 10 bucks on Washington <laughs> because that way it's a win-win for me. <laughs> like either Oregon wins and I'm happy or ah, at least I made some money. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a terrible human being, but that's how I roll sometimes. So uh, my official pick is Oregon, but I'm putting money on Washington. <laughs> so I'm an idiot. Uh, but let's move, let's move on to uh, the rivalry game here. We've got Jordan's uh, Nittany Lions against Matt's Wolverines. 
Fight me, <laughs> Matt, fight me. You're you're going the, the Lions eight and a half, and you think that's too much. You're 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 on Michigan uh, for this one. So so why is that? Why why do you think Michigan can keep it close, or do you think they can flat out win? I don't think they can flat out win. I do think that uh, Penn State will win this game, but I do think they'll win it close. Um, essentially, I just think this is going to be a low scoring game. Penn State's defense has been really really good this year. Uh, Michigan's defense hasn't been that good, but they've had a pulse. So far in the games where um, Penn State has played defenses that have a pulse, um, they've struggled to score as well. They Against Iowa, 17 points, and against Pitt, 17 points. Uh, the teams that they've kind of racked up points on, Idaho not as an FCS team, Buffalo is a MAC team that's garbage, Maryland has been completely exposed, and Purdue sucks. Um, so, I, I mean, I just think that it's – this isn't the spot where Sean Clifford is going to go out there and throw for 300 yards. This is more of the spot where they're going to try and lean on the running game. And I think that Michigan will score just enough points to keep it close. S and P plus has this line actually almost perfect. Um, when you give a small home field edge to, um, Penn state, uh, I just think that God, I hate doing this. Can I switch my pick? Uh, um, I, I hate picking Michigan, but I really think that that's the spot. I think if I were going, if I was forced to pick a side, eight and a half is too many points. And I'm going to go vomit now. <laughs> I'm going to vomit at the fact that you just said a slight home field advantage, which in what might be the most difficult place environment to play in the entire country. I think I've given them credit this year. I think I called the whiteout the best home field um Anywhere. I'm just saying that in SNP Plus, when they uh, do that, they give a two and a half point two and a half home field, point, yeah. um, two and a half points to home field. I hear so. you. I hear you. You can't help yourself. I, I, I know, went with I it. Um, but okay, so I'm I'm taking Penn State. I'm laying the points. It's it's a it's a little bit iffy um, because I agree with pretty much all that Matt said. I mean, I still do have questions about the offense, but I think that Michigan is kind of a fraud, even at what we may think of them at this point. And I think that in this environment, this type of situation, I think we could see Shea Patterson kind of wilt under the pressure and could turn the ball over a couple times. And and it could sort of start to snowball if things go south. Um, eight and a half is a lot, uh, particularly because Penn State's offense hasn't been that great for extended stretches of time. But I'll lay the points here. I think the I think that they're going to come up, find a way, and I it could be a ten point win. Um, I, I think it's it's in that area, so it'll be close. But I'll lay the points. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you on this one, Jordan. Uh, we are teaming up against Matt this week, uh, and that's that's okay. Uh, we had a couple more in the slate, but we're already at an hour, so I'm just going to do uh, do one more here. Let's do uh, Florida after you know their their big outing against um, LSU. Uh, LSU last week uh, coming up coming up short uh, they get the uh, <laughs> the uh, upstart South Carolina no, I know it's South Carolina but I didn't couldn't see who picked whom but yeah South Carolina coming off a huge upset over Georgia we probably should have talked about that a little bit because um, that was crazy and so much fun it made me very happy hoping it, it's stupid that I have any hope for Oregon to make the playoff but anytime a big <laughs> big team loses I get excited I shouldn't there's no chance uh, but anyway, uh, Florida against South Carolina. South Carolina coming off this huge win. What do you think takes place here, Jordan? This is a tough handicap because I think that South Carolina probably does carry some of the momentum that they gained from that huge upset last week against Georgia. I don't think it's a fall a fall flat spot or anything like that. But I think that Florida is 
the significantly better team from top to bottom. I'm a little bit worried about uh, South Carolina South Carolina's quarterback's health. Um, I think he could be a little bit banged up, and if they have to go to their secondary option, uh, I think that could play into Florida's hands. So um, I, I'm not doubting necessarily South Carolina because I think this the push that they're going to get from that win last last week is real, especially coming back home. Their fans will probably be um, energized more so than they typically have been under Muschamp. But I'll go with who I think the better team is uh, from top to bottom pretty much uh, laying under a touchdown. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have great analysis of this game other than the fact that I just think that we watched South Carolina last week do everything in their power to try and lose that game to Georgia, um, but managed to pick up a win, mostly in spite of themselves. Um, I while I, I I do like Holinsky if he plays, I don't. I'm not going to say that I super trust a true freshman quarterback against a good Florida defense and. Don't let the 42 points fool you that they gave up last week to LSU. That's actually a good performance against LSU. They held them about 18 points under their season average. It's they're, It's a really good defense. South Carolina is going to struggle to score again, and I just think that I would be shocked if Florida wasn't able to manage 24 points. My my take on this game is is, is pretty simple, and maybe it's too simplistic and, and completely false. But if we would erase last week from our minds and we didn't know that South Carolina had just beaten Georgia and we just saw the rest of work they'd done on the field this season, and same with Florida if we didn't see the fact that they went out and lost at LS, lost against LSU, which again, not a bad loss by any means, but still, if we would have saw, seen this line at five and a half, we would have been like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm taking that. So to me, five and a half is not that big of a deal. I think Florida uh, handles business fairly fairly easily, honestly. And I think uh, this sweep is one that we should feel very good about. And uh, I think in talking about it and hearing you guys talk about it, I think I just added a fifth a fifth pick to my list this week. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and put this one in there too. Florida minus five and a half. Uh, lock it up, baby. I feel good about it. Don't, don't, you, don't you guys think, though, like if we didn't have last week, that this number would have been way different? Yeah, it's overreaction. Um, overreaction yeah. to a small sample. I'm, I'm 100% with you. Uh, now – I got to tell you guys, and I do mean guys, men out there, please listen. Uh, overreaction takes place all the time. One of the things you should not uh, overreact or underreact, but you should just have this, the proper reaction to is erectile dysfunction. And it is not an easy subject. Usually we just brush it off or we blame ourselves saying something like, I just lost my mojo or I'm sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling up for it. We, we, we come up with these excuses. Uh, but with Roman, it's easy to talk about. You can talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash blue wire and complete an online visit ed used to be tough to tackle but now there's roman complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it just go to getroman.com slash blue wire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping that's getroman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started getroman.com slash blue wire gentlemen it can be difficult but you are not alone all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's get it, guys. We 
we have to improve. Matt, you are 14, 8, and 2 on the year, so you're doing just fine. Uh, Jordan and I are stuck on 10 wins uh, in our lock, so we, we, we have some ground to, 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 to make up here. I already gave my first one. I'm doing Florida minus 5.5. Uh, I feel really, really good about that now. Uh, but, but Jordan, why don't you give us one of yours? What's one that you're feeling the most confident in? Sure. So I'll start with Arizona State getting 13 and a half at Utah. Um, I know that Utah is, you know, they're, they're riding pretty high right now, and I think that they are a good team. But um, Arizona State's tended to play tight games. Uh, five of their last six have been decided by 12 points or less, win or loss. And since Herm Edwards took over at the start of 2018, Arizona State is 8-3-0 against the spread as a dog with six of those out at being outright wins. Um, I, Daniels, uh, Jaden Daniels, freshman quarterback for Arizona State, I think he could struggle a bit on the road against a really good defense, but I think that Arizona State can do enough to keep it within the number. I don't necessarily think they will win outright, um, but I think that this number is just a little bit inflated. So I'll take 13 and a half points with Arizona State. I like that one. I like these Pac-12. Pac-12 games are, 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 are fun. I think that's a, a, a solid pick right there. Matt, give us one of yours. Um, so I'm going to start off with uh, my favorite one of the week, which is Ohio State minus 16 and a half um, over Northwestern in the first half. Ohio State has led by at least 17 points in each game this season. Um, Northwestern is averaging 3.8 yards per play, which ranks 127th, and they're going up against one of the top defenses in the country. Um, Ohio State is, on the other hand, is averaging 7.1 yards per play, which ranks fifth in the country. And then to add, top it off, Ohio State's averaging 33.3 points per first half, um, while Northwestern is averaging only five. Northwestern is not good off on offense, and their only hope is really going to be to try and keep Ohio State off the field. Um, I also think, just from a narrative perspective, Ohio State does not want to keep their starters on the field very long with Wisconsin waiting in the wings next week. I think the goal is going to be to try and get up by 28, 35, something pretty absurd so they can pull out Justin Fields, and the first snap of the second half will be Chris Chuganoff. I'm getting nervous about those first half, second half totals, though. Or, or um, yeah, I just get nervous because not no, no, this wasn't a total, but just uh, one half of football can be so wonky that like uh, I get nervous about it. But I, I, I like your logic. I like your reasoning. Uh, the one I feel most confident about um, is my Oregon at Washington. Um, I'm going with the under. The under is uh, 51. Oregon so far this year, the under has been the play. They have hit it. Uh, I think all but one time this year, uh, I was hoping the line would be a little bit higher so that I could uh, have a little bit more confidence in it. But I do think both teams want to run the football. And as I mentioned last week, Oregon is not extremely efficient in doing so. Uh, they're efficient enough, uh, but their defense is is super, super strong. So I think no matter who wins, I think this is going to be a low scoring affair. I think uh, the number should be more like 48, um, in which case I, I probably would just avoid it. But uh, over 50 uh, points as the as a line at 51, I'm I'm comfortable to uh, to place some money on the under, and I will do so. Jordan, give us another one, buddy. Sure, I'm going to take the um, the over in LSU and Mississippi State currently at 61 points. Um, tempted to even lay the 17 and a half or 18 with LSU, despite them being on the road, despite them being in a look ahead spot with Auburn next on deck. Um, I just think that LSU can 
you know, if they want to, they can pretty much name their number. We've seen them just be an absolute juggernaut. We saw what they did last last week against a really good Florida defense. Mississippi State's defense is not good. Um, they've been susceptible to the big play. They rank 114th in the country in plays of 20-plus yards allowed. Um, so I think that LSU will get their points, and I think that um, both teams probably will want to play up-tempo. LSU has done so. I think Mississippi State would like to do the same. And I think similar to what Matt said about Ohio State potentially resting some of their starters in the second half, if this game does get out of hand in the first half, we could see something similar with LSU. And I think uh, Mississippi State could potentially score some points late to get us over this total. So I'll go over 61. All right. Sounds good. Matthew. Um, my second one I will take is Syracuse Pitt under 52. Um, both teams are four and two on the under this year. Um, and S&P Plus only has this game at 42. So I have a pretty big gap um, between the uh, total and what the line is. So pretty happy about that. And once again, I'm going to come back to yards per play. It's one of my favorite uh, stats for figuring out how good an offense is. Uh, Pitt is averaging 4.7 yards per play. That ranks 104th out of 130. Syracuse is averaging 4.6 yards per play, which ranks 109th. These are two bad offenses. This is uh, Pat Narduzzi's special. He's going to try and just turn this into an ugly game where Pitt wins like 10 to 3, something stupid. Um, I really like this one. I, I would say this one I feel almost equally confident as the Ohio State first half. Yeah, I also have a play on this game. I'm going Pitt minus 3. Uh, I think Pitt is just a much better team than Syracuse. Uh, they played Penn State pretty close. Uh, the first, their first, their first game of the year against Virginia wasn't so good, but other than that, they've they've looked really good. Um, they beat UCF, as we all remember. They did follow that up with a tight one versus Delaware, which was unfortunate. Uh, but I, I think they're a better team than Syracuse. I, I think Syracuse uh, has been very underwhelming. So uh, just those three points does not does not frighten me at all. So so Pitt minus three is uh, another one of my locks this week. And uh, yeah, feel feel good about it. I think I don't think I've ever I've ever placed a bet on Pitt. So you know, first time for everything, and uh, I'm excited for it. Which one of you got, Jordan? How about uh, how about we hear another one of yours? I'll close mine out. This one is a little bit risky, I'll admit, because the number is so low. But I was looking at Northwestern's team total under ten and a half. Um, like I said, it's an, an absurdly low team total, I understand, but Northwestern has scored 10 or less points in four of their five games against Power 5 competition this year. That's so sad. Um, and yeah, and we've talked about how bad, we've, we've talked a little bit about how bad Northwestern is on offense, but just some numbers to put it in perspective. Um, they rank 127th in the country in yards per play, um, 126th in red zone conversion rate, 109th in third down conversion rate. And 124th or worse in plays of 10 plus, 20 plus, and 30 plus yards. So essentially, they're inefficient and they're not explosive, uh, which are the two things that you need to score points. Um, and I think another area, Ohio State ranks second in sack rate for defensive lines. Northwestern ranks 86th in um, sack rate for an offensive line. I think that they could just wreak havoc basically all game. Um I just honestly don't really know how Northwestern scores points here. It could be some weird freak thing. It's a Friday night at home. The grass is 16 inches high, yada, 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 all that. But I don't really know like how they get to double digits. I just can't really see it. Unless it's a scenario where Matt said if Ohio State's playing their sixth string in the fourth quarter, 
fluky touchdown, something like that. So there is risk, but this looks like a massive, massive mismatch. So I'll, I'll go under 10 and a half. All right. I like it. That is, yeah, you always get nervous when it's, I mean, essentially just, yeah, a fluky touchdown away from, from getting it, you know, although that might be, even if they get a fluky touchdown, that might be their only score of, exactly. the, of the game. So yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely a good call there. Um, but I do, I do see the risk involved in it. Now you just added another one to the show docs. So you've got a couple more, Matt. So let's, let's hear one of yours here. Um, so, uh, both of these are S and P plus plays. Um, but I'll start with, the the actual picking aside and that's Missouri minus 20.5, um, against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's genuinely terrible. They're 0 and 6 against the spread this year with an average of missing the line by 12.8 points. Um, Missouri is four and two against the spread. Um, back to yards per play. Um, Vandy is allowing or is averaging 5.0 yards per play, which ranks 94th in the country. And Missouri's averaging only or is allowing only 4.4 yards per play. That's 12th best. Um, SP Plus has this game at 24 with even giving a 2.5 um, home field advantage to Vandy. I this line feels like it should be almost a touchdown higher to me. Um, I just think that this one's going to be a blowout, and I think Missouri's going to handle Vanderbilt and not allow them to score. Yeah, that's that's pretty straightforward. Uh, I I've got a fun one for you boys. Uh, I'm going Nevada plus 21 and a half at Utah State. So as you as you guys know, because we've talked about it a couple of times, I'm a big fan of Last Chance U. And uh, one of the eh, stars, uh, in quotation marks maybe, uh, of, of one of the seasons was Malik Henry. Um, and he got his first career start last week, and it was a win. So he's going for his second start this, this week. And while I don't think Nevada will win, um, I do think that he will be able to have an effective game. Uh, the, the Utah State pass defense has has struggled at times and i think he'll connect with elijah cooks uh the junior wide receiver uh has over has already four touchdowns on the season i think he'll add uh, one or two uh, again i don't think i don't think nevada has much of a chance to to really even compete in this game but but over three touchdowns is is too much for me nevada plus 21 and a half uh i'm actually gonna to to enjoy watching this one i, I hope malik henry can come out and uh, and put a smile on my face by only losing by 19 points. What do you, what do you guys Plus think you about that? Watch, you get to watch Jordan Love, which is the real joy of this. That's true, but uh, but I I love Malik Henry. So what can I say? Uh, it's gross. I know. Uh, give us give us your other one, Matt. So my last one is a pure S and P plus total play, um, and that's going over 42 in Rice and UTSA. S&P Plus has this game at 53.6 and just quickly pulling up uh, their numbers. Rice is 3-3 three and three on overs this year. Um, UTSA is actually substantially worse, but when you look at their numbers, 42 just looks like the number is absurdly low as they've gone over that in all except for two games this year they've gone over 42. That number just feels a little bit low to me. I think I needed a little bit of grossness on my slate anyway, so... Let's throw on two of the worst teams in the country. There, there you go. Um, my last one is, is more just I, I wanted a, a fun reason to watch this game, and it's Temple at SMU. SMU, uh, as we all know, had that that crazy game uh, where they came back and, and were able to remain undefeated. Yeah, so they 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 face off this week uh, on ESPN. You'll want to you'll you'll want to watch it, and I definitely will. And I'm taking Temple plus seven and a half. 
I thought this line would be a lot closer than it was. Uh, both teams are having really good seasons. Temple is five and one, and they have only given up more than 28 points once this year. Their defense has been has been pretty good. Uh, they just took care of, of Memphis last week. Uh, I think SMU will probably win the game, but I think it will be close. And uh, that 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 more than a touchdown line is uh, is enough for me to feel pretty good with uh, with taking Temple here. So it's I'm kind of relying on, on Temple's defense to uh, to, to kind of keep it close. And I just think SMU, the, the magic will end sooner than later. Uh, I don't think they're going undefeated this year. I think Temple has a shot at actually just beating them on the field. If this was uh, not not in Dallas, then I, I think I might even go money line on this bad boy. Uh, but but I feel pretty good with with Temple plus seven and a half. Uh, that that's my last lock and the last lock. Unless any of you guys have uh, any any final ones you want to sprinkle in there, of course. No, I, I Jordan, you can't go you can't go five hundred when you only pick three games. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true, but uh I'm I'm gonna stick where I'm at. I feel like I'm pushing my luck as it is. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lay low on this one. Oh, that's good. That's good. I do wanna say one thing about your temple SMU pick. SMU is six and zero against the number this year. Um, small sample size, but uh, they've been really good in the passing game. They've got two pretty solid receivers in Reggie Roberson and James Proch. Um, and then Temple has probably my new favorite uh, sleeper that I'm keeping an eye on for next year's Debbie drafts. Um, kind of an unknown coming into this year, but his name's Ramon Davis, um, sophomore running back, or I'm sorry, freshman running back for Temple. Has been really good the last two games. And while I think SMU will probably stifle him a little bit, he's definitely a player to watch for the rest of the year. So who would you take in that one? Temple plus seven and a half. I think I would probably take Temple, um, even though SMU's been good all year. Um, Temple's been making things ugly for a lot of teams this season, and I think they're just going to keep it close. I yeah, I can't see them losing by more than a touchdown. That's so yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel as well. Well, good guys, we uh, we went way over, but it was worth it. I think uh, having that Debbie discussion earlier was uh, was super valuable, and yeah, we're halfway through the season. Can you believe it? I mean, that is just nuts. Um, I mean, we of course get to enjoy the, uh, the playoff as well too. So not quite halfway there, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're trucking along here. It's, it's craziness, craziness. What, what are you most looking forward to over the weekend, Jordan? Uh, Penn State win at home. Yeah. Well, yeah. Are you, uh, <laughs> are you going to be watching it in any uh, particular fashion? Any, any, uh, superstitions that need to be worked out before the game starts to ensure a victory? No, not well yeah no not not no real superstitions <laughs> i'll be on my couch uh drinking beer um that's that's pretty much that's that's my superstition <laughs> yeah how about you matt um i'm looking forward to a penn state close win um no um I, I mean I'm, I'm obviously excited to watch ohio state and northwestern but i do think that my favorite game of the weekend is this washington oregon game i think it's going to be a uh battle of two potential first round quarterbacks and we don't get a lot of those so yeah i obviously am am looking forward to that one i am cautiously optimistic but hey like i said putting money down on on the huskies so that it can be a win-win for me uh that's my my trick to uh getting through these so they don't uh go through life depressed angry and alone (laughs) um and on that note we'll see you guys next week thanks so much for listening i do want to quickly say um i sometimes forget to put this uh show on both the rotoviz main feed um as well as uh, our other feed so so do make sure you subscribe to the 
Rotoviz College Football Podcast. We do have our own feed. You can find that anywhere podcasts can be found. So do subscribe to that in case I do forget to do that, which I will not, but I have in the past, so I might. Uh, so do subscribe. Uh, give us a rating and review. Uh, and uh, yeah, be looking for us again next week when I get to rejoice in an Oregon Ducks victory uh, that will ultimately lead to them missing out on the playoffs regardless. Uh, thank you and guys Oregon so much. Oregon win by one. <laughs> yeah, and Oregon winning by one. Exactly. Great. All right, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.